You're listening to the Simple Pen Podcast. Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hey there, and welcome back to the Simple Pin Podcast. I am so excited to share this episode with you today because my guest tells such a great story about her history of growing her business that not only are you going to be inspired with some really, really actionable tips of how to create a content strategy, a content marketing strategy. She gives her recipe plus six really actionable things. So in this episode at the end, I recommend you have a pen and paper next to you. I was actually trying to write as I was also trying to listen and record this episode, which is not a good combo. So I plan to go back and listen to it again, because the six quick actionable tips for creating a content marketing strategy are just so valuable. But within that, there is the story of her business growth. And I love a good story. I'm a sucker for how I built this podcast. And she tells the behind the scenes. We really get into how her business was at a make or break moment. And so I'm so excited for you to hear just that success story. And of course, we get to hear the snippet of it. We get to hear the other side. And that's great. But for her, it was a really hard pain point that helped her decide how she was going to grow her business. So I hope you just walk away with some encouragement with that, as well as these actionable tips. But before we dive into today's episode, I just want to remind you that here at Simple Pen Media, we have a wide variety of things that can serve you. And one of them is our Simple Pin Ads Society. This is our membership that is dedicated to helping you run Pinterest ads without paying a bunch of money for the membership, but also without spending a bunch of money on ads before you know if they work or not. Now, some of you have been pitched by Pinterest that you're going to work with them and they want you to spend $100 a day. And we feel like if you're just starting out with Pinterest ads, that is not a productive strategy for you when it comes to getting the right Pinterest ads for your business. We also know that Facebook ads have changed, Instagram ads have changed, and it's time to diversify. So the doors to the Simple Pin Ad Society will open up next week. So what I want you to do is go to the show notes and just sign up for our free training as to how to make Pinterest ads work for your business. This is totally free. And so we want you to join our um, training, which also comes with a quick little pop-up Facebook community where you can ask questions. So go to simplepinmedia.com slash 267. Again, that's simplepinmedia.com slash 267. And what you're going to find there is you will find information for how to get into the free training for the Simple Pin Ad Society. Alrighty, with that, let's dive into today's great episode with Ashley of the Boutique Hub. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the Simple Pin Podcast. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk with you. And I told our listeners how we had previously connected and how you really piqued my curiosity when it came to content strategy for shop owners. So let's start with a little bit about who you are and what you do. You bet. Um, I am the founder and CEO at the Boutique Hub, which is the largest global connection point for boutique owners in the world. So we bring together uh, over 7,000 
boutique owners from the United States and about eight countries now inside of our membership at the Hub. And our goal there is really to provide every single resource a boutique owner could need under one roof. And that includes our wholesale shopping platform that's launching this year called Hubventory, expert education, live training, content strategy, you name it, business conferences. We try to provide all of it underneath the Hub. Wow, that is a lot of different things to juggle. So I I have to ask, how did you get inspired to start this business? Man, that's... uh, I feel like every good business uh, story starts with a failure. And (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably what mine was too. Actually, I'm originally from North Dakota. And um, as you can imagine, North Dakota is not exactly the fashion mecca of the world. Although I grew up loving fashion and I loved boutiques. And we really didn't have much for boutiques when I was growing up. It was more when I started to travel as I grew um, that I discovered boutiques in these cute towns all over, actually at rodeos, because that was a big part of my life. And I thought, man, when I get home, I want to be able to shop these cute stores and have like one central place I can find all these boutiques. And to me, boutiques were so intriguing because I felt like being from North Dakota, fashion was so New York or it was LA. And I felt like, man, the rest of us in the world deserve to feel beautiful and have unique things too. What about us? And boutiques really were the what about us answer to that question. That was fashion for everyone and and online or off. And so originally the idea for the Boutique Hub started as an online shopping mall of boutiques where I just wanted people like me to be able to find cute stores in one place. And when we started to build that, here's where the mistake or the failure, which is always an opportunity in my opinion comes in. And that is, I started to build this online shopping mall of boutiques. And as I was talking to boutique owners, really what they needed more than anything was a community. And they needed answers. And they needed someone to help you know see the forest through the trees and be a voice for the industry. And there were really at that time was no... There was no connection in our industry. It was very siloed and it was very competitive. And you went to market and you bought for yourself and you hid your rack and you didn't let anyone else see what you were buying. And I thought, man, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so the Boutique Hub really was a redirect from that online shopping mall. And we launched in this motto of community over competition and a rising tide lifts all ships. And it really took off. People resonated with that because they needed people. They needed connection more than they needed anything else. How cool. Did you have a hard time with that pivot? Or did you feel like it was this, you know, like you say, a failure, but also this aha moment, like what started as one thing is now merging into the next? Did that feel very like a natural switch to you or did it feel like a hard pivot? Like, oh, I don't want to give up this first love of finding boutiques for myself or for a community of other people. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, there's a big story here, actually. Um, it's still a little painful, to be honest. Like, I still love that original idea and it hurts that it didn't work the way I thought it would. But what it's turned out to be is so much better. Um, but the story in that is I actually... I feel like I dealt with imposter syndrome at that time. And I found this... Every good story starts with this. I met a man on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I met a random guy on Twitter who seemed to be building something very similar to me. At least he told me he was. And you chatted with him for several weeks and you know, brainstormed whatever together. I told him my vision. He told me his. And we decided, you know, we should team up. And again, I had this whole imposter syndrome happening thinking, what do I know to build this? You know, who am I to to launch a startup and build a membership and all this? And it was before anyone even talked about what membership sites were, anything like that. It was brand new at the time. And so I teamed up with this guy and man, I, I let him convince me that I should give him majority share of the company and we should change the name. 
and I should put him in my bank accounts and we should merge our, our list, which really he didn't have a list. Only I had a list because I'd already started this first version of the boutique hub. And this went on for a while and he kept telling me, yeah, the you know legal papers are in the mail. You know, we're going to get this finalized. Blah, blah. And they never came. And so finally, after several months of this, my husband and I decided, you know, this like, is, is this real? Are we getting catfished? Like what is actually happening here? And so we called him and we were like, you know what? This is, this is done. Like this is a fraud. We don't know what's going on, but we're just going to go on in our own merry direction as we've always planned to and launch the hub as we've always planned to in this way. And man, the, I think this was like a North Dakota nice thing that happened. Like you just don't assume people are going to take advantage of you. And I thought like, oh, we would just go our own way. Well, really what happened next was he drained our bank accounts. He blocked me from my customer list, blocked me out of the Facebook groups I'd started, my email list, everything was gone. And that was like the universe's way of pushing me into what the hub really has become today. Because it was such a sink or swim, do or die moment. And it took me a couple of weeks of, you know, laying in the fetal position on the couch and my husband was so good at the time. You know, he just, he came up to me one day as I was laying there and he's like, you know, Ashley, you have every right to be mad, angry, upset, defeated, all of this. He's like, but you have a choice and whatever choice you make, I'm going to support you in it. Ooh, okay. And at that moment, it was like, put one foot in front of the other and let's just start to serve people. And my heart has always been to serve small business owners. I feel so strongly about when you change a business, you change a life and you change a family change a community. And so I just started to serve. I resurrected an old Facebook group that I had originally started that had about 400 or so um, boutique owners in it. And I just started to serve them content. And this went on for about a year. I worked for free, just helping people. And finally, wouldn't you know it, this, this person who I'd had this falling out with, um, I, my dream was always to create the Boutique Summit, which was what we have today. It's the largest business conference for boutique owners in the world. And he knew that. And so he told everyone he was going to start a conference, charged everyone tickets. Everyone was, you know, the day before the conference, everyone's headed to the airport and he canceled it and kept all their money and then disappeared from the face of the earth after that. So it was like karma eventually came around. He disappeared. We created the boutique hub and are serving people with that same like passion every single day. And it's beautiful what's been created. And it all came out of something that was so ugly. And I hope that's hope for everybody that, you know, sometimes our biggest mistakes or failures can be our best opportunities. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that story, because I, I think in this online business world, we only see snippets of people's success. Yeah. And then we compare our failure to all of their successes. And we don't hear the stories of being, you know, in the fetal position on the couch for weeks, like not knowing what to do or what step to go forward. And it's really hard. and you brave at the same time to put one foot in front of the other after you've been, you know, duped like you were. It's like the trust and the faith. And I especially like what you said about investing in your community for free for a year. And I have heard that said by um, Joe Polizzi. He does Content Inc. And he had said that too. He's like, you have to invest for people to trust you and for people to know that you're going to invest in them. And that they can they can stick with you, right? And so you just kind of continue to do that. And there's a lot of learning in that too, as well. I imagine you learned a lot about what they needed, what they wanted, and how to serve them best so that you could create the right products. 
Yeah, it, it absolutely was the biggest blessing because you, you just become so intimately familiar with your community and who they are and what they need. And I mean, this is such a doggy dog world on social media. And you're right, like everything is so rosy and perfect. And then we compare ourselves against that. But also this whole notion of instant gratification, like everyone thinks they should be able to start a business and it should blow up and be successful tomorrow. And it just doesn't work like that. You know, it does take investing. And and even for boutique owners, I tell them the same thing. You're not going to blow up and be Pink Lily tomorrow. I mean, once in a while, you might see someone really take off, but it takes a lot of time investing and knowing your customer and building trust and, you know, trying and failing with products every single day. That's what buying and having inventory is, is, you know, it's how fast can you fail and try something new that might go off for you. So yeah, Mm -hmm. process, it's a, it's a long-term game, but it's definitely worth it in the end. Well, and I think one of the unique things too that I have sought to understand over these last couple of years is those unique things that um, retail owners have to deal with. Like you just said it, this buying of inventory and you're kind of guessing what you think people will like. And then what if it ends up being the thing they don't like? Like you're stuck with all of this. And I think it's so much different than people who have a digital product who can put something out there, but there's not a lot of investment. Whereas with a physical product, there is so much more investment, which then puts that pressure with the marketing piece, which kind of leads me, we'll kind of fish around to the content marketing piece. When did you start to discover and hear from your boutique owners, I guess this tension of like how to do content marketing, or did they even understand what content marketing was? Yeah, when I started the hub, Really, it was it wasn't a thing. It that was very new. Um, online boutiques were still very new at that time, and so I feel like I've ridden this wave and got to watch this all unfold before my eyes with you know thousands of stores. And one of the very first things early on in the boutique hub that I started to coach on was authenticity, and that was before authenticity was such a buzzword. And it was just really encouraging them to get on video and to go live and to share the messy behind the scenes. Before that was a thing, that was in the very polished, perfect Instagram days. And I I feel like the same is true. I mean, people talk about authenticity, but there's kind of like some fake authenticity out there. So I started to build entire strategies for boutiques around that notion. And and it's kind of like Gary Vee, you know, early on when he wrote Jab, 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 Right Hook, the idea was you can't just write hook and sell to people all day long. You have to jab. You've got to, you know, have some soft skill in there. You've got to build a relationship and show some behind the scenes and all these other things. And so I started to build what I call a, a content recipe, which is like content soup for boutique owners. And there's many layers of this, but the highest layer, it starts with three ingredients in the recipe. And the first is sales content, which is given, right? You have a product to sell. You're going to show it every single day. Uh, the second is engaging content. And this is just to me, engaging content is like get, gaming the algorithm without constantly paying for ads. So it's asking questions, it's memes, it's quotes, it's personal stories, it's sharing things that aren't necessarily your product or related to your brand, but more so related to your customer directly, something they would engage with. And then the third uh, piece of the recipe is branded content. And branded content is the behind the scenes of the brand, the behind the scenes about you, your mission, your why, what you're up to every day. Uh, the dog that sits in your office with you or the cat that's in your warehouse, like whatever it is. 
Um, but it's building the idea of who you are as a brand and why people would want to relate with you. And I could go into all kinds of weeds from there, but I think a good content strategy starts with three types of content just like that. Okay. So repeat them one more time. So branded content, engaging content, and sales content. Okay. So when you started to create this recipe and present it to um, the Boutique Hub like community, what was their initial response to it? Did they feel overwhelmed by it? Did it feel like this... Oh, finally, there's a formula. What was the response and kind of what did you learn as you started to, I guess, present this framework to them? They, the response has always been great. I think everyone wants a strategy and a step-by-step process. Um, I think sometimes initially there's pushback from people on like, do I really have to be the face of my company? Do I really mm-hmm. need to go live? And do I necessarily think you have to be the face of your company? No, uh, but I think it's better off if your customers do know you. And this social selling culture that we're in today, which again, that's something we've watched unfold over the last several years. I mean, that just really proves that to be true, that people love this, you know, QVC sort of behind the scenes reality show that they can follow along with. And so it takes people a bit to get used to it. But I would say now, like people love having step by step and knowing what they can do tomorrow to be successful. So out of those three, what feels easiest for you? Because, you know, there's some, like you said, people don't want to be in front of the camera, especially as the rise of reels and TikToks. And it feels very intimidating, right? Because people are doing these voiceovers and all these catchy things. And sometimes that can become paralyzing. So for you, for your business, what do you feel like is easier for you to grab hold of first? And then maybe what's harder for you in that recipe? Oh, that's a good question. Um... Gosh, you know that that like branded content that just like raw being a part of the community. Personally, that's my favorite because I just like I, I feel like I lead with my heart every day and wear my heart on my sleeve a lot, and I'm not scared to be just completely vulnerable. And maybe that comes from just the feedback that I've gotten over time that people really resonate with that. And so for me, that's become really easy to do. I know that's probably not the case for most people, but I think when you start to dabble in it and you start to share the times that you're struggling and and you see how people will show up for you and relate to that and they trust you and like you even more because it was so raw and painful, um, that it just makes it that much easier the next time. So ironically, I love that part of it. But as far as like reels and TikToks, we make them at the hub, but I'm so competitive. Like when I make them, I want them to be perfect. And I just, I'm in such a busy season of life that I don't have time right now. Like it's a part of our team strategy, but am I really a big face on Reels specifically or TikTok? I'm not. I let our team do it just so I know I can focus on where I'm needed most in the season that we're in right now. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I I think there's uh, so much pressure that we can put in these areas that maybe don't make the biggest impact. And I think you just called that out, right? I have heard of people spending six or seven hours like trying to perfect a reel when they could have spent six or seven hours on something else that would have like writing an email or building a sales page or something like that. And I feel like especially in this engagement driven world, we're easily lured into where we take the bait just a little bit too easy. And I I think that is a call out kind of what you said, like, for you, it's easy to do the branding, the behind the scenes, these parts where your heart on your sleeve, whereas for somebody else, maybe it's easy for them to go into 
the engagement pieces and then kind of live there for a while. We even notice that sometimes with people in Pinterest marketing is that they will get caught up in creating images like all day for like eight hours. It's like, okay, well, that's a, a good use of your time, but maybe not that much time. Let's yeah. do just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I've learned that the hard way as our company has grown that you have to transition from being the entrepreneur and the DIYer uh, to being the CEO and really understanding that time is money. And what are the income generating activities I'm working on today? For me, it's not making TikToks. It's, there's other places where you can generate a lot more bang for your buck. And so I, I encourage everyone to really analyze that. Like, is this a CEO $100 an hour thing that I'm doing right now? Or is this like a $10 an hour thing that I can get an intern to help me with? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great reminder always to think that through. So one last question for you is, let's say there's somebody listening who is a shop owner. And for whatever reason, probably mostly the pandemic, you have that they've either slowed down or completely stopped at this whole content marketing piece. They don't even have any of the three components they have just been kind of grinding away, I would say keeping their head above water. And especially I imagine with the supply chain issues, there's that complicated into it even more. But what's one thing that you would tell them to just put that one foot in front of the other to just get motivated again to step back into content marketing? If they've been just, I guess, burnt out a little bit, but they still really care about their product? What would you tell them? Oh, man. Um, Gosh, my mind just I just go to strategy. Like, just just try this. Like, let me give you a list of... I think when even I say that recipe of the three things, there's still kind of like a, but how that comes with it. You know, but what does that mean? Like, how many times am I posting here, there and everywhere? And what am I actually creating? And so I just would want to give them this strategy. So pared down the three-part recipe. Uh, I think there's six pieces of content we create every week that we can create once in batch and use across every single channel multiple ways. So how can we make your life easier? This to me is the answer to that and get you excited about content again. So the first bucket is our live video or video. If you don't want it to do live, we just have to have some kind of video. So what is the video I'm going to create this week? Bucket number two are what are the try-on sessions or the videos I'm going to create this week? So my short little like 10-second demos that I can put in my stories and everywhere else. And I can cut them into reels if I want to. I can put them on Pinterest. I can put them everywhere. Um, the third piece of content is my actual product photos, which we all have those. Fourth piece of content is quotes and memes. So what are some quotes and inspiration? Nothing fluffy, but something that actually gets to the heart of who your customer is that she wants to say, but maybe doesn't know how to say herself. Those are the quotes we're going for because then she's going to share them. And then the fifth is personal stories. So what is a personal story? What is something I'm living this week or have lived or our world is living that I could talk about that our customer is going to relate with? And then the sixth piece of content for the week is collections. So out of everything I'm sharing, how do I make this a collection? So right now, uh, could it be holiday collections? Could it be Valentine's Day collections? Could it be a Father's Day collection? And I'm, if I'm thinking like my customer... My customer is Googling something or they're searching on Pinterest, like gifts for Father's Day. Well, what do I have that's going to come up in that search? And so that's what collections really means. So if I can just pare it down and go, okay, I can create on a Monday, all of these pieces of content and batch them, these six pieces, 
And now I can use them across every social media channel. I can pre-plan all of my content. Now I've gotten like hours and hours of my life back. And I can go actually live my life and be excited about my business and engage with my customer the rest of the week and not be so pinned and married to social media and what I'm going to post in the next hour every single day. So yeah, that's so helpful. Even for me, as I think about, you know, when we spend that time, especially on a Monday, our mind is usually fresh. We are usually creative. And if we block out, you know, two to three hours on that one day and then we're done, it really does free us up the rest of the week to focus on other things and to get to what you said, which are the really income producing activities. But we still have that content marketing strategy working for us in the background. And I agree with you, like people need this one step, two step, three step. And once they get those steps down, what I see is that they get more creative, right? It's just like this little launch pad that says start here and then go. So I love that you broke it down into those six because it feels very attainable and very easy to to do and not not like you're going to spend every day for hours. So I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So tell people where they can go to listen to your podcast, to get connected. I know we will have some shop owners who are just craving community and structure and are probably, I would imagine, feeling what I just talked about with that kind of exhaustion over the last almost two years of being in this pandemic run of making sales and supply chain, all that kind of stuff. And you speak that language much better than anybody else. So tell people where they can go to connect with you. Absolutely. I thank you for that, by the way. That was very nice of you. Um, you can connect with me anytime. We have a podcast called Boutique Chat. You can find it everywhere you can find podcasts. Again, it's Boutique Chat or anytime on theboutiquehub.com. And theboutiquehub.com is really the home for everything we do in the community. So you can find education, community, um, our Facebook groups, link to Hubventory, the Boutique Summit, our big conference, uh, the Boutique Boss Planner, which is our day planner for boutique owners and all kinds of content strategy. Yes, go check it out. I was there yesterday looking through and uh, I got the immediate communal feel. It was very much like through the imagings and through the marketing and through all the resources. It just felt like if you are a boutique owner, this is the place for you to be. So go check that out. The um, show notes for this where you can find that link is simplepinmedia.com slash 267. I would highly encourage you to get more support and resources from Ashley and the Boutique Hub because that's what we need during this time is really people who understand our language and are also a great cheerleader for us. And Ashley, I just really appreciate all that you've shared today. And I look forward to just seeing how you grow in the future. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Kate. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Yeah.